السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ اعوض باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ویلکم ٹو جرنی تھرو دا قرآن بائی اکنا سسٹرز ٹیڈاؤ بی کورنگ اسورہ روم لکمان اینس سجنا آئی ول اسٹارٹ وتھ سورہ روم وچ از دا تھرٹیتھ سورہ آف دا قرآن دا نیم روم کمز فرام ودن دا سبجیکٹ میٹر آف دا سورہ دا فرسٹ فیو آیاز از ٹاکنگ اباؤٹ دا رومنس اور روم What happens is back at the time when the Makkans were starting to persecute the Muslims really badly, the, the Iranians or Zoroastrians were overtaking the Christians or the Romans in many different areas. The Zoroastrians had taken over many locations near the place where the Prophet وسلم, and the polytheists were living. And Allah put this prediction in the Quran in which the Romans would overtake them and have defeat over them. At that time, the Quraysh or the polytheists would side more with the Zoroastrians because they had a polytheistic religion in which they believed in worship of the fire. And the Muslims were more with the Romans because of the Christianity that they followed. So they would, when, this, when the prediction came out, they were taunting them because they... There was, it, there was no way in sight in which uh, the Christians would have actually win over the Zoroastrians. So they were making fun of it. But this is an example because after 10 years, that prediction came true. This is an example of how the Quran is actually the word of God and how the Prophet ﷺ is the messenger of God. And this particular situation also tells us that we as people have a tendency of looking at things from a very superficial standpoint. We look at what's apparent and what's superficial. And due to our shallow outlook on different events and different things in life, we tend to have many misunderstandings, many miscalculations, and also we tend to make wrong predictions. Over here, Allah is kind of letting us know that we need to look at the deeper picture in different situations We also need to have our faith, our tawakkal, and our trust in Allah and what he says. Another thing that's discussed heavily in the surah is the concept of tawheed and shirk, which is discussed quite a bit in the surahs that I'll be covering throughout. Um, over here, it's kind of stressed that shirk, if you have more belief in shirk, it creates a chaotic environment. Versus if you have your faith in Tawheed and that oneness of Allah, then the environment is more calm. As we can see nowadays with the situation of the virus, because of the fact a lot of people don't have their faith in Allah, they don't have their tawakkal on Allah, there's a chaotic environment that's being created amongst some people. So moving on to the surah, a little bit of the background of the next few verses. One of the Meccan idol worshippers had boasted to the Muslims saying that you have a scripture and the Christians have a scripture. But we are without scripture and the Persians are defeating the Roman brothers right now. So we will defeat you one day. So it says here in the Quran that the Romans have been defeated in the lowest place on earth, but they'll be victorious, victorious over their Persian enemies in spite of this defeat in three to nine years' time. Command over the past and the future belongs to God, and when the day of victory arrives, the believers will be the ones celebrating with God's help. He helps whomever he wants, for he's the powerful and the merciful. 
This is God's promise and God never backs away from his promise, but most people don't understand. They only understand the outward aspects of the life of this world while they're unconcerned with the next life. Again, Allah is saying to us, we only understand the apparent and the superficial, the outward aspects of life. And at this time, it seemed like this prediction would never come true. The Muslims were having to migrate to Abyssinia. Even seven to eight years after, it didn't look like it would come true. But the year of the Battle of Badr, when the Muslims gained victory over the, the non-Muslims, was the year at the same time that the Romans won defeat over um, the Zoroastrians. And then it goes on in the Quran and it says, Haven't they pondered this question within themselves that perhaps God didn't create the heavens and the earth and everything in between them except for a valid reason and a limited time? Even so, there are still many people who deny the meeting they have with their Lord. So Allah wants us to think deeply. He wants us to contemplate. He wants us to ponder. He wants us to think about the fact that this heaven and earth is only here for a limited time. That everything that's going on is truly in his control, right? This life is not our permanent life. There's a bigger reason why things happen to us in this world. This is something that Allah wants us to think about, contemplate about, and not to be those who do quick reaction or, or jump up and make predictions or some shallow um, misconceptions. Again, in this surah, in another ayah, Allah says, but no, the wrongdoers follow their own whims instead of knowledge. So who can guide those whom God leaves astray? They'll have no one to help them escape from the punishment they deserve. So set your face firmly upon the natural religion of monotheism. God instilled the instinctive nature upon all of humanity. And God never changes what he creates. This is the straight religion, yet most people don't understand. Again, Allah is saying if we set our faith upon monotheism, the natural religion, then we will be given the correct direction. Allah is telling us it's an instinctive religion that Allah has given us, right? The fitrah demands that if you're left alone, not around anyone, and you're all alone, what'll happen? You'll be an instinctive follower of one Allah. We will know monotheism is ingrained within us, and it's monotheism that give us, gives us focus. It's monotheism that gave focus to Prophet Ibrahim salam, right? And then from there, he was able to accomplish so much. His name is mentioned to this day. So the background for the next few verses that are also significant within the surah gives a clear answer for those who ask why God allows corruption and injustice to exist in the earth. The resulting consequences of our actions might cause us to rethink our opposition to God and morality. On the Day of Judgment, those who were wronged on earth will be repaid their due, while those who did evil will be punished for what they did. So the next few verses I'm about to tell is answers the question for those who tend to complain. Many times <clears throat> when you speak to people, they will say, if God is so loving and merciful, why is there so much corruption on the earth? Why is there so many injustices incurring? Why are we seeing, you know, different instances of chaos going on on the earth? What is going on? Many, many people that we encounter nowadays will have that question and justification of the fact that they don't want to believe in God or they don't want to put their trust in God or that they're angry with God. They don't want to pray to God. 
I've even met people saying, I don't want to pray to God. There is no hope. Any prayer doesn't come true, right? Why is there, why do things go wrong? So Allah says in the Quran that corruption has appeared on land and at sea because of what the hands of people have done. God allows it to go forward so they can suffer the bad consequences of their actions and thus have a chance to return to him. Say to them, travel all over the world and see the end result of all those civilizations that came before you and most of them made partners with God. So set your face towards the straight religion before a day comes from God that can't be put off, a day when people will be divided into different categories. So Allah is warning us that a lot of times chaos or injustices occur on this earth because of our own deeds. And this is really important. When a time comes in which the whole of earth or a whole group of people are suffering, we need to look within ourselves, especially if we're amongst that group of people that are suffering. Then we need to, but pointing fingers is not good either, that that country or those people did bad. That's why they're going through that. No. If you're within the group of people who are suffering, like what's going on right now, this pandemic was going around the whole world, then we need to evaluate and look within ourselves and see, are we the cause behind what's going on? Have we become a disunited group of people? Have we started committing moral offenses possibly that Allah is not pleased with? This is something that we need to seriously sit back, contemplate and think about. And while at the same time doing lots of astaghfar. Because astaghfar is realization of our own sins and our own ways. And astaghfar brings us to change and to improve our lives to become better people. So the next surah is Surah Luqman. And Luqman, it comes from the name of a wise person uh, in the past who was giving words of wisdom to his son. As is the case with most parents, they like giving words of wisdom or sincerity to their children so that their children remain on the right path. So he gives those words of wisdom to his son in verses 12 through 19. And another important thing to know about this particular surah is that at that time um, when the Prophet ﷺ came with mention of Luqman due to revelation from Allah, the people were familiar with his name. So his mention was already there in their historical accounts and the stories of the past that the polytheist or whoever was amongst him would discuss throughout the years. So the first few verses of Surah Luqman have um, important topics that we need to contemplate over and we need to study because of the situation that we're in nowadays. The background of verse 6 through 7 is in reference to, it talks about a man named An-Nadir ibn al-Harith. He would travel frequently to Persia. And he offered the Quraysh his tales of Persian heroes as an alternative to listening to the Quran. So in, in, in a replacement to the Quran, he wanted to tell tales to the Quraysh of the Persian heroes. He also tried to use music to take people's attention away from the Quran. He used to bring out a foreign slave girl he owned to sing when Muhammad was trying to preach. He used to say, Muhammad makes you listen to the Quran, 
and then he asks you to pray and fast and he makes life hard for you, come and listen to this music instead and have some fun. Sounds familiar? So the verse of the Quran says, there are some among people who buy useless tales that are devoid of knowledge in order to mislead others from the path of God by making a mockery of knowledge. They'll have a humiliating punishment. When our revealed verses are read out to such a one, he turns away arrogantly, acting like he didn't hear anything, almost like he was deaf in both ears, give him the news of a terrible punishment. So familiar with what's going on today. The entertainment industry, the TV, the music, the movies, the TV shows. What is it doing? When we have to turn towards the Quran and study about seriousness of life, we don't feel like it. We're being pulled by those tales and those stories that we see. We need to really pay attention to these verses of the Quran because this is the way of shaitan. He is going to try every way possible to take us away from studying the Quran and to study the reality of life. What this TV and when this music and all of these things do is it makes our mind distracted with shallow and useless tales. And then we are able to block out our true reality of life. And this is something very, very dangerous. All these people, these actors, these actresses, these musicians, all their life goal is they don't have sincerity. Whereas Allah has sincerity when he reveals the Quran to us. He wants us to have a good akhirah. He wants us to go to heaven. He wants us to have a peaceful life. These entertainers just want to be praised by people, want to have a good image, to have power, to have money, right? What's going on with them right now? They're not able to entertain the world. They're not able to stand amongst their large, large crowds. What was going on when, when the virus was erupting? I was, I was looking at the situation of some of those entertainers. Oh my God. They looked like they had gone in depression because they were not able to fulfill their need of, of entertaining people or being praised by people or being am amongst people. Their lives are shallow. They don't know the reality of life. They don't know the reality of Akhara. They don't care about it. So we need to realize and we need to turn to Allah more we need to face reality. I know it's a hard reality that we will hit our grave one day. And at times people will say, what are you saying? That's very depressing. Why do you talk about death? But the thing is, death is the tool towards meeting Allah one day. And we should be looking forward to that. So we really need to try to avoid um music as much as possible. We need to try to avoid TV watching and turn more towards the Quran and not let us let it distract us. So in the next few verses, Luqman gives his words of wisdom to his son, which is really important. It says here, and so it was that we bestowed wisdom upon Luqman, telling him, be thankful to God. Whoever is thankful, then it's to the good of his own soul. 
But whoever is ungrateful know that God doesn't need anything and is already being praised. Then Lukman goes on and he says to his son, My son, Lukman said to his child during a lesson, Don't make any partners with God, for making partners is the worst offense against God. On account of the sacrifices that parents make for their children, we made it a duty upon every human being to be respectful to his parents. After enduring wave upon wave of pain, his mother finally gives birth to him, and then he's totally dependent on her for two years of weaning. So be thankful to me and to your parents, for the final destination of you all is back to me. So first Allah is saying, he's stressing that Tawheed, oneness of Allah, and then after that he mentions the importance of parents. And this is really, really important because nowadays elder, the elder generation is looked down upon. People will look at someone who's older in age and say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. about. They're, what they're saying is from old times. They don't understand the ways of today. They don't get it. They're of another generation. There's a huge generation gap going on. So when parents give words of wisdom to their children, the children don't want to listen. They don't want to respect their parents. They don't think parents understand it. Whereas someone who's older has seen a lot more. A, a person who's older has gone through a lot more. The advice that they will give will be at another level. But unfortunately, we're living in an environment where elderly or parents, their word is not respected. However, if your parents try to force you to set up partners with me, offering deities about which you know nothing, then don't obey them, yet still keep company with them in this world in a fair manner. Keep yourself on the path of those who turn towards me. So the only instance in which you are not required to listen to your parents is if they're making you do something wrong. Or if they're making you follow, do shirk or follow a way that's other than the way of Islam, then in that situation, you are not required to listen. Then Lukuman goes on with his advice and he says, My son, even if there were a tiny speck of mustard seed lodged within a rock or anywhere else in the heaven or the earth, God can bring it out for God is aware of all subtleties. My son, establish prayer and encourage what's known to be right in God's sight. And forbid what's strange or unfamiliar in God's way. Have patience with whatever happens to you, for that shows determination in dealing with matters. Don't puff up your cheek arrogantly at other people, nor strut around through the earth. For God has no love for conceited snobs. Walk moderately and speak softly, for the most annoying noise of all is the shrill of a donkey. This is really important because over here, what's being stressed is arrogance is not good. The way we walk the way we talk. Allah wants all our manners to be at a good level. We shouldn't walk in a way to show arrogance with our chest high up and strutting in a way that we're some sort of a, a big thing, right? When we speak, we shouldn't speak loudly. How often have you encountered those who are so loud that it's disturbing sitting by them? They talk so much and so fast. This is something that Allah has forbidden. He wants us to be decent, graceful, good, morally sound human beings who are humble in our ways. Then I would like to end this surah with 
a beautiful verse which says, if all the trees of the earth were pens and the oceans were made of ink, even backed up by seven more oceans, still the words of God would not be exhausted for God is strong and wise. Beautiful verse. If all the trees, imagine the magnanimity behind this. If all the trees of this world were ink for pens, were pens, and the oceans were the ink, and it had seven more oceans to back up, the words of Allah would not be complete. Imagine our smallness in the grand scheme of things. Imagine our position in the grand scheme of things. And imagine the grandness and the greatness of Allah. Allahu Akbar. This is something we need to really think about. We are nothing in front of Allah. We are nothing in front of the grand scheme. And if Allah gives us value the way he's given us right now, we need to be extremely thankful for everything. We need to be extremely submissive for all of the situations that Allah has given us. Then how can we strut upon the land like we're big shots? How can we dare to even think ourselves to be of you know, arrogant value. May Allah protect us. So the last surah that I'll be doing today is Surah Sajda. And it uh, the word Sajda is coming from uh, verse 15 in which there's mention of Sajda. In this surah, Tawheed is stressed uh, to a large level. And, and, and at the time this surah was being revealed, the disbelievers were having issues as to how is this the book of Allah. How they had many questions when the Prophet ﷺ was telling them that this is a revelation from Allah. And they found whatever the Prophet ﷺ was presenting to them to be strange. So in this particular surah, Allah is trying to waken, awaken the common sense or the intellect of people to make them see reality in life. So the first verse of this surah is saying that the revelation of this book is from the Lord of all the worlds. There's nothing doubtful within it. So are they saying he must have made it all up? No way. It's the truth from your Lord. So you can warn a nation that never had any warner before you and also so they can be guided. So Allah is saying that this is a revelation of the book from the Lord of all the worlds. There's no doubt within it. When you see the grandness in this world, you see everything being done in such a structured and organized manner. How can we doubt what Allah has presented to us? How can we doubt anything? Everything is at such a structure. All the animals, all the ants, all the bees, everything is following a certain path. There's no way we could deny it. No way we could say this is not the truth. It goes on and is saying, God is the one who created the heavens and the earth and everything in between them in six stages. So over here, Allah, in the next few verses, what he's doing is he's trying to wake up our intellect, as I said earlier. He's trying to make us see things with our common sense to realize. He goes on in the Quran and he says, 
Then he established himself upon the throne of power. There is no one who can protect you nor, nor vouch for you other than he. So won't you be reminded? And we all know of that. Anyone, even an atheist in straightened circumstances, will turn to Allah. They're aware that he's the only one. Then Allah goes on and he explains his power. He says he regulates all commands within the sky and the earth. And then after the end has come, all affairs and matters will ascend back to him for resolution in a day that is like a thousand years of your estimation. That's what he's like, the knower of the hidden and the clear, the powerful and the merciful. So now he's trying to wake us up by showing us his power, right? He created everything when the skies and the earth. And now he's controller of that last day, that last day, which will feel like a thousand years or whatever our feelings will be on that day, whatever he will make us feel, because we'll be totally in his control. Then he reminds us with all this might and power that he has, he knows what is hidden in the deepest recesses of our hearts and our minds. The darkest and deepest secrets we have of many years ago, he knows. For him, it's clear. And he knows everything that's apparent. Who can have more power than that? Then he goes on and he says, he's the one who created everything superbly. He initially created the human being from nothing more than clay. Clay under our feet, the dirt under our feet, what we walk upon, the ground we walk upon. The nasty thing that after we touch it, we go wash our hands. Then he made his descendants from the extract of lowly mixed fluids. Then he constructs, constructs each of them in his mother's womb and then breathes into him something of his spirit. Then he endows you with the faculties of awareness, hearing, sight, and feeling. Yet for all these gifts, you're hardly thankful at all. The fingers we have, the eyes we have, the breathing we're doing, the ears we're hearing with. Everything is from Allah. Everything is from Allah. But we think this is mine. I have the most beautiful eyes. My voice is the best. It's because of me. We start thinking that we have some, uh, the benefits we have is because of our own doing. Or we start complaining. Allah saying we still are very thankful in his ways. Allah's power is amazing where he created the heavens and the earth. Then he's, he's, make, he's uh, organizing the day of judgment. And then he's created things as small as our finger or the pinky on our finger or the joint on our finger. He's controller of all. He's waking up our intellect. Pay attention to these things. Pay attention. Then Allah goes on and he gives us the result of those who are unthankful. Those who didn't pay attention, those who didn't care, and then they died wasting their life and not making use of the faculties and everything that he gave us. It says here in the Quran, if only you could see how the guilty will be hanging their heads dejectedly before their Lord. Our Lord, they'll cry out in despair. Now we see it and now we've heard our records read out to us. Please send us back to earth and then we'll reform ourselves for now we really do believe. If we had wanted, we could have guided every soul, but the truth of my sentence will come to pass. I will fill hellfire with jinns and people all together. 
so suffer it. You forget this appointed day of yours, so now we're going to forget you. Suffer the eternal punishment for your deeds. We don't want Allah to forget us. We don't want to be amongst those who are regretting regret upon regret upon regret on the day of judgment. Doom and darkness upon darkness. Doom upon doom. Dejection upon dejection. Depression at its highest level. Do you want to be there? No, I wouldn't. Allah is in the first few verses of the surah telling us to wake up. He's warning us. He wants us to be aware of everything he's given us. He wants us to be aware of our purpose in life. He doesn't want us to be amongst those standing, you know, so regretful and looking into our lives, wondering, may Allah protect us from that situation. Then Allah gives us definition of who those true believers are who are thankful towards Allah. The true believers are those who when they hear our verses being read out to them, fall down in adoration and praise of their Lord. They're never too proud to bow down before their Lord. Their bodies propel them to rise restlessly from their beds at night so they can call upon their Lord earnestly in hope and fear. And they spend in charity out of the resources that we've given them. No soul knows what delights of the eye are kept hidden from it as a reward for the good all such souls have done during their time in the world. So Allah gives us a description at the end of how to be saved from such wrath and dejection. He's telling us that we need to be those who worship Allah, who prostrate to him, to try to get up at night who are humble before Allah, who give charity to the poor. May Allah make us amongst those successful people, inshallah. May Allah make us amongst those who will get all the rewards in the hereafter and who will be live a life in pleasing Allah and who will enter Akhirah with Allah so pleased with us and give us an opportunity to see him, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.